So 10 years ago, I did this Christmas Eve show on paganism, Christmas, rock and roll, and ranted like crazy. So back to the vaults. From WBUR Boston, I'm Tom Asbrook, and this is On Point. Out of all the reindeers, you know you're the mastermind. Run, run, Rudolph. Randolph ain't too far behind. Out of history came Adeste Fidelis and Silent Night. Then came Bing Crosby crooning White Christmas, Judy Garland at a snowy window. But it was rock and roll and a little Motown, a little indie, says my guest today, that really embraced Christmas as we live it now. They found new joy and new sounds in our modern concoction of tinsel and retail and longing for hope and peace and joy. Over the years, here on Christmas Eve, we've heard carols and dickens, Dylan Thomas and Renaissance cantatas, this hour on point on this Christmas Eve, how rock and roll met Christmas. You can join the conversation. Do you run to rock and roll at Christmas or away from it? Can you hear what it brought to the party to this sacred season? Springsteen, CeeLo, Mariah Carey, the Punch Brothers, Chuck Berry. I'm, uh, you can comment this hour and join us at 1-800-423-8255, 800-423-TALK, or at our website, onpointradio.org, on Twitter and Facebook, at On Point Radio. Joining me now in the studio is music critic and author Tim Riley. He teaches at Emerson College, blogs at artsjournal.com, runs the RileyRockIndex.com. His latest big book is Lennon, The Man, The Myth, The Music, The Definitive Life. Tim Riley, welcome back to On Point. Hi, good to see you, Tom. Great to have you on Christmas Eve. That is not exactly a Deste Fidelis behind us right now. What did people think when that came out? Well, no. So what, what rock and roll does for Christmas is it completely strips it of all its piety and um, you know highfalutin energies and gives it a great youthful exuberance, lots of excitement, lots of wonderment, lots of magic, ties into the mythic idea of Christmas as we could make a better world through our music. And, um, you know, it sounds a lot like a lot of other Chuck Berry songs in that this is a kind of a guitar rocker that you're going to reach for at many different times of year. It transcends Christmas. You, you don't necessarily have to listen to this on Christmas to enjoy it. Um, piety, you say, on the other... Maybe maybe that's not a rock and roll thing. Make a better world sounds like a Christmas message thing. So in a way, it doesn't strip something that's essential here. Oh, no, it doesn't. No, it's all very essential to Christmas. It's getting more into the secular realm, right? So it's making Christmas... It's bringing Christmas back to its pagan roots, <laughs> and um, it's giving Christmas that kind of excitement and wonderment and youthful energy and the idea that we don't have to tie this all to a particular holiday. We can have Christmas magic almost any time of the year. Uh, I'm trying to find my way to understand exactly what you mean here. Let's take it back a little bit. Did people – when rock and roll came out, it's hard to remember this now, but it was – it was upsetting to mainstream society. And I wonder if people thought this will never be applied to holy days like Christmas. Yeah, well, of course they thought that. And rock and roll was busy upsetting all kinds of apple carts. Rock and roll was was challenging everyone's assumptions about race, challenging everyone's assumptions about gender, about uh, class distinctions. You know, Elvis Presley was a truck driver who became the king mm-hmm. of rock and roll, the mm-hmm. king of mm-hmm. all entertainment, right? So in alongside of all of this, they decide to upset the apple cart around Christmas. Christmas does not have to be confined to all these separate religious pieties that society has roped off for. We can recreate Christmas in our own rock and roll image and have fun with it. Well truck driver becomes the king. Still, I'm hearing a kind of a Christmas echo here. You know, baby in a, in a stable becomes oh, sure. Prince of Peace. Oh, yeah. No, you can extend that metaphor as far as you want, right? Being from Memphis is like being from Bethlehem, right? It's like being from nowhere, right? <laughs> well, Coming well, out of hey, left field. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. Let's Although hear he's a secular saint. If anyone's a secular saint, it's Elvis. Let's yeah. hear from him. Merry Christmas, baby. Elvis uh, sings the wonderful world of Christmas. Merry Christmas, baby. Christmas. Now I'm living in paradise. 
Elvis Presley, 1971. Merry Christmas, baby. All right, fair enough to you here. This one does not sound like a fountain of piety. It sounds like Tomcatting. Well, right, this is Tomcat, exactly. And this is a Christmas by uh, the counterexample, right? Nobody is more alone on Christmas than the heartbroken, right? Yeah. And this is musical irony. This is what we used to teach where you're not supposed to believe a word he is saying. Merry Christmas, baby, sure yeah. did treat me nice. No, yeah. no, he is no, alone. Not. He is totally alone on Christmas. And this is the blues version of the Rock and Roll Christmas and Elvis Presley singing in 1971, but this was a hit for uh, an R&B hit for Charles Brown back in 1947. And this is Elvis proving once again that he is the great white blues singer and that he can master the blues sound just as well as any black person. Guido Marcus writing about this song back then, in the midst of ten painfully genteel Christmas songs, everyone sung with an appalling sincerity and humility one could find Elvis Tom cutting his way through six minutes, blazing minutes of Merry Christmas, baby. Right. right? So, again, it's pushing back against this appalling sincerity and humility that we would get every single Christmas by all these Tin Pan Alley singers, by Andy Williams, by Bing Crosby. They all had these ridiculous Christmas specials. What's appalling about sincerity? And well, Oh, when it's, faint, when it's feigned, when it's bogus, when it's yeah. show business, when it's overwrought, then it becomes insincere. Then it becomes fake and phony. And rock and roller, right, the idea is to see through that. Bring on the rock and roll. Let's bring our listeners in here right now. They're all paying attention. Julia in Groton, Massachusetts. Julia, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hi, Tom. Hi. I'm calling because, for me, Bruce Springsteen's Santa Claus is Coming to Town is the complete signifier of the start of Christmas. I went to school (laughs) in western Virginia in uh, the 80s, and you couldn't get it on the radio. You couldn't, you know, you were still requesting songs on the radio in those days. You couldn't get it. And so driving my mother's 1971 Buick Estate Wagon with AM radio up 81, you cross into New Jersey on 78, you tune in (laughs) New York radio, and you could depend that somebody was going to put on Santa Claus is Coming to Town by Bruce Springsteen. And And it always meant that Christmas was here and the holidays had started. Julia, we will come to the Boston's. I'm glad you raised him right away. Tim Riley calls Springsteen the Santa Claus of rock and roll. Well, yeah, no, there's a lot to say about Bruce Springsteen. And definitely, I mean, at the very least, you're talking about somebody who is bringing Christmas riches to every single concert that he gives across the land, right? And he is a kind of a bountiful Santa Claus yeah, of energy, true. Just right? Open that concert. big bag of Springsteen right. and boom, it right. comes. And, there's, and every Christmas, every Springsteen concert is like Christmas. I mean, it really is like Christmas has come to town. And the other thing he does, of course, is that he turns Clarence Carter, I mean, sorry, turned. Uh, turned. <laughs> Uh, Clarence, his saxophone player, into Santa Claus. So we had a black Santa Claus on the Bruce Springsteen stage. Let's go rock and roll. We'll come back to Springsteen. We're still working our way there, Julia. Hang with us. Here's Winter Wonderland, Darlene Love, produced by Phil Spector with his trademark wall of sound. uh, uh, Sound. Uh, It was released on the day that JFK was assassinated. It did not do well in the charts at the time, but it was re-released on his famous, Spectre's famous, Phil Spectre's Christmas album, 1972, went to number six in the charts. Uh, Here you go. Darlene Love, Winter Wonderland. All right, it's Phil Spector's Wall of Sound. That's rock and roll, but you can hear that 1950s chipperness still in there. No, no. So Phil Spector, the Orson Welles of rock and roll, like the young wizard, the genius at the dials, right? He is in the full flush of his success as a girl group producer, and he wants to take that girl group energy, some of the greatest, some of the highest spirits that rock and roll ever uh, put forward, and put it into Christmas music. Mm -hmm. And people, insiders, the record didn't do very well, but insiders know this record as one of the great girl group records of all time. And it just happens to be a Christmas album. Uh, It happens to be a Christmas album and that great big wall just coming. I mean, now, part of the thing with rock and roll, you can hear a little bit here, is you expect to hear 
rock and roll Christmas in the malls. It, there's an awful lot of like you know Muzak soundtrack rock and roll. Well, yeah, there. no, but, but Muzak has changed. Rock and roll changed music. It used to be in the malls. You would hear all these phony instrumentals, Lawrence Welk stuff, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Now you hear Phil Spector. Now you hear all these rock and roll originals. You hear Steely Dan in the malls in Muzak. Rock and roll has conquered culture so successfully that we don't even have music anymore we have the rock and roll soundtrack to our life keep it real uh with rock and roll i wonder if piece by piece was this just cashing in me christmas sells albums and was this just rock and roll getting a piece of that or was there a genuine cultural attraction rock and roll has right rock and roll always wanted to be successful it always in its heart wanted to sell out a little bit because it wanted to reach a mass audience Mm -hmm. right it had that huge embrace and that huge ambition Mm -hmm. uh so What's great about rock and roll is that it does cash in, but it also does much more than cash in. Uh, more, and that more takes us down, sort of get, makes it earthy again. Well, makes it earth, makes it right. The, again, lack of piety, lack of uh, respect in certain people's minds, right? Respect for the religious connotations of Christmas. Uh, rock and roll's idea of Christmas is uh, who needs to be a believer to enjoy Christmas? I mean, there is that kind of secular strain there in alive in, in lots of rock and roll. Chuck Berry's right. Writing Run Rudolph Run, he's not writing. He's not writing about the three wise men, yeah, right? So yeah. we're talking about we're going back to the pagan elements, and rock and roll is rock and roll picks up on this in every single manner possible. You, you hear the pagan elements, and I know exactly what you mean. At the same time, I hear something of that kind of rebel spirit in this holiday. Well, the low shall be raised high, right. and that's beautiful in a different way. And rock and roll carries that very effectively. There's a little something uh, much more up to date. This is fun. With Sleigh Ride, uh, Grammy Award-winning indie band, just out with their new Christmas compilation CD, Holidays Rule. Tim Riley is with us. We're talking about how rock and roll came to Christmas. You can join us. Can you believe all the Christmas music that's come along since Bing and Burl Ives? Did rock and roll save the Christmas song or send it off the rails? 800-423-8255 is our number. 800-423. It's Christmas Eve. Let us hear from you. I'm Tom Ashbrook. This is On Point. We'll be right back. this out about how rock and roll came to Christmas. Rockers, Motown, indie stars, and the holidays. Great music critic Tim Riley is with me this hour. And you can join us as well. Of course, Beach Boys behind us right there. 1964, the Beach Boys Christmas album, The Man with All the Toys. What do you think? Did rock and roll save the Christmas song? Send it off the rails? Do you want to rock out a little at the holidays? Or are you strictly Adeste Fidelis? And when do you bring on the rock Christmas? When you're rapping, when you're cooking, when you're driving to the mall? I don't know. 800-423-8255 is our number. 800-423-TALK. Not exactly down down and raunchy there. It's the Beach Boys. Well, no, but the Beach Boys. So Brian Wilson's idea is he wants to write a new Christmas standard. He wants to elevate Christmas to the level in rock and roll where he's beginning to write a new Christmas seasonal standard there, right? So I mean, it's kind of like he's he's not trying to remake an old standard. He's trying to write a new rock and roll original standard that would become of, a... The Man with All the Toys has kind of got a little bit of like pre-er gangsta to it, but it, but it's Santa. It's secular. Well, it's Santa. Case. It's secular. Exactly. Right? You'll see that emphasis over and over and over again in, in rock and roll. Uh, I'm not sure that this one made it to Christmas standard status. Oh, no, know. no, it may not have made it to it, but you have to say, you have to think of this in terms of all of Brian Wilson's output, and it compares very favorably to a lot of other Brian Wilson original songs. In 1964, uh, making a Christmas album by the Beach Boys, there, he had absolutely no reason to write two originals for that record, but he writes two originals that hold up incredibly well, given his output, and now you can get a remastered version of that record with lots of extras and stuff, and it's it's on my turntable every single 
uh, every single Christmas because it's one of the great rock and roll Christmas records, the Beach Boys Christmas album. And there's so much light in it. Uh, let's hear a little Clarence Carter. Different sound, 1968, uh, Back Door, Sand of the Blind, soul singer Clarence Carter. The horn break from this song is sampled in the Run DMC Christmas song, Christmas in Hollis. Here's Back Door Santa. They call me Back Door Santa. Backdoor Santa. Oh boy, here we go. We're not in a Deste Fidelis country right there. Danny in Jamaica Plain, Massachusetts. Danny, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hi, Tom. Hi. How are you going? Okay. Uh, so I just wanted to add my comment that um, maybe Christmas and rock and roll is an appropriate pairing because uh, rock and roll's roots and blues, you know, when Clarence Carter learned music, he probably learned it in church. And uh, the relationship between blues music and, and um, religion, I think, makes it appropriate that uh, rock and roll be part of Christmas. Long and deep relationship there. I mean, it's, you're, you're very likely right. I don't know where Clarence Carter came up, but no doubt he came up in, in the church. Now he's taking it back door. Right, yeah, and uh, sexualizing Christmas, that's a big theme here, too, right? It used to be that Christmas was like, oh, no, we're, we're not going hands anywhere off. near hands-off, right? Separate beds for uh, Dick yeah, Van Dyke yeah. and Mary Tyler Moore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but in in uh, 60s Christmas music, we have to completely sexualize. Well, let's have sex on Christmas. Let's just be completely open about this. Uh, and the sense that Christmas brings people together. But I don't mean that. in a. I really mean it in the way that... There's a lot of funk in Christmas. It, it, no matter wh- how how pious you may be, everyone feels the energy, the sort of deep energy of it. Rock and roll says, "Well, okay, let's go." Right, exactly. And uh, picking up on the fellowship and the the warmth of all of that. And again, it doesn't happen in a religious frame. It happens at, in in and out of a religious frame. You know, part of what they're doing is part of what rock and roll is doing across the board, which is taking gospel elements, spiritual style elements, yeah. and making them secular. Let's again. let's see where else it gets taken. Is James Brown. This is a 95 funky Christmas. Uh, Santa Claus goes straight to the ghetto. The late, great James Brown sings, Pitch up your reindeer, Santa Claus goes straight to the ghetto, and every stocking you buy, the kids are going to love you so. Oh, yeah, James Brown. Santa Claus goes straight to the ghetto. Tell him James Brown sent you. <laughs> Go straight to the ghetto. You know that I know what you will see. Mothers and soul brothers. And that saxophone. Ba, 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 ba. <laughs> James Brown, Tim. Yeah, well, funkifying Christmas. I wish I had some big idea, some big insight to this. This sounds to me like pure novelty from James Brown. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you can't get past, I mean, you can't you can't find a greater singer or a greater energy, rock and roll energy to attract than James Brown is going to drink, uh, bring to it. But I have I have other favorite James Brown tracks. This doesn't transcend Christmas for me. Jerry in Nashville. You, uh, thanks for calling, Jerry. You're on the air. Hi, Tom. Hi. Hi. Uh, yeah, I just want to make a comment. Uh, the, the first couple of songs you started off with, with the Chuck Berry and the Elvis, uh, of course, they have the link to the blues and everything. Sure. And uh, the, way I, the way I look at it is that basically, uh, even though people did think it was sacrilegious at the time, that the older Christmas songs, the old, the, the original ones, they were a sign of the times and basically were, were people's mentality was and everything. And then the blues, of course, was the music of the people and, of course, rock and roll going to the kids. Well, now those kids have grown up, and basically it's become the music of the people, and that's why it's held, held strong so long. Well, I mean, and that's, I'm so glad you put it that way, Jerry, because a lot of Christmas music is music of the people. I mean, yes, there's sacred music, sacred music of the people. There's a lot of earthy music, even in traditional. The holly and the ivy, there's a lot of stuff about, you know, trees and boughs and... And uh, and mangers and stables, it, a lot of it is music of the people. Here's the the new music of the people. 
Right. So we, with rock and rollers, what we have is we have the boomer music, right? And that generation now beyond ascendant, I mean, that generation is prevalent, is dominant, right? Mm. So the old Tin Pan Alley stuff now sounds nostalgic to us, right? We listen to, to White Christmas by Bing Crosby, not because it's something that is is a part of mainstream culture, but it's by, oh, our parents listen to that. Oh, we, oh, we, that is an old, you know, that's... Nostalgia is a big part of Christmas. People embrace it right there. Yeah. But, but we hear rock and roll in opposition to that. That's mm-hmm. the main thing. It's mm-hmm. a completely different mm-hmm. kind of Christmas energy to, right. the, to those different records. Yeah. People want some of that throwback, but here, the very current thing becomes the music of the people, uh, what have got, 1981, The Waitresses, experimental new wave band out of Akron, Ohio, late 70s, early 80s. One of their biggest songs here was uh, Christmas Rapping by The Waitresses. Waitresses, they're going to pull it all right in their new wave, Tim. Yeah, no, I like this a lot. This is kind of white rap, you know. She's yeah. just kind of laying down the uh, the narrative there, not really singing. And I also like this kind of faux ironic tone that she achieves. She's she's getting it both ways. She's being ironic about Christmas. Yes, it's all materialism, but she's also saying, you know what? It's actually kind of enjoyable, and I enjoy yeah. it a little bit. Yeah. You know, she's really straddling yeah. on. She's on the fence there. I really like this record. A lot of people right on the fence there with her. Glenn in Arlington, Massachusetts. Hi, Glenn. You're on the air. Hi. How are you doing, Tom? Pretty well. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I thought. That was that was one of my favorites as the waitress, and it's very interesting that you just played that because I think there's a thread of romance that follows this season that is another sort of non-religious aspect to all of this, which I think is exemplified in the previous generation by Walking in the Windsor Wonderland. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and just, I see just... a lot of continuity here. Well, in, in, in the romance that just keeps barreling through this music. I like that idea a lot, yes. And it's romance on a personal level, on an intimate level. It's a, a, a romancing a, a, a love prospect, but it's also romance on a fellowship level, on a larger level. The romance of the idea of Christmas, of people coming together, romance in, the, in that kind of girl group way, which is we're all in this together. Yeah, there's a romance of the family of man and... Later on, we'll perspire as we sit by the fire. It's all there. Uh, Glenn, I appreciate that call. Howie in Montpelier, Vermont. Howie, you're on. Hi, Tom. Hi. Uh, I just wanted to bring up the uh, the point that uh, Trans-Siberian Orchestra is like the epitome of Christmas rock and roll. They're like 80s hair metal that only does Christmas music, like with the lights and everything, the big hair. And they uh, they rock out, and it's not entirely secular either. Trans-Siberian um, uh, orchestra with, uh, what, I don't know, uh, <laughs> hair band with uh, metal and Christmas right in the middle of it, Dowie? You're beyond me there. I don't, I don't know them well. Yeah, they, uh, um, they're like excellent, excellent uh, hair metal music, but it's all Christmas music. Point taken. When, when, I, when I get up for that, I'll go straight to the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Appreciate your call, Howie. One more here from Hampton, Virginia. David, you're on the air, David. Hi, Tom. Hi. Love this particular edition. Oh, good. I listen to a lot of Bob Rivers' Twisted Christmas. Have you all listened to any of that? Uh, Tim, help me here. Bob Rivers' Twisted Christmas? Yeah, you know, you're, you're off my branch again. What, 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 what's in it, David? <laughs> well, he's like a weird Al Yankovic, but he does strictly uh, Christmas albums. Okay. And... Uh, it, it, they're, they're funny. They're all funny, and he, the music's good, actually. Uh, he does an Iron Man version. Uh, I'm 71. I've been listening to rock and roll since I was 14. Okay. But anyway, he does <laughs> okay. some really weird versions of very popular songs. If you've never listened to him, give him a listen one time. Maybe next year you'll check him out. We will check it out, David. I mean, I, I love what you're raising there. What Part of this is that Christmas is so enormous. And it can take a lot of you can take the twisted you know treatment and still it stands there. You can you can come at it from a million oh, angles. I love it that callers are calling in with stuff that I've never even heard of. I mean that just shows you how big it is, right? 
It's big. It can go in a lot of directions, uh, and it still does. Here's a little Punch Brothers, progressive blues band, 2006. Band's mandolin player Chris uh, uh, Thiele also plays with Nickel Creek. This year won a MacArthur Genius Grant. Here's the Punch Brothers going way back and forward with their O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. some bending going on. That is cool. Yeah, well, I, I hear bluegrass as part of rock and roll. That's my expansive idea of rock and roll. Okay. People are going to disagree with that. But we wanted to get Chris Thiele on this show because the, nothing Chris Thiele touches comes away the same. He's got a completely unique stylistic um, sensibility. Everything he does is touched with this really interesting, peculiar harmonic it sense that he like has. Billy Holiday, but and, in bluegrass. Yeah, and, and it's man. like it's like a totally new song. Oh come, oh come, Emmanuel. It's not like nothing you've ever heard. It's completely bluegrass, and yet you can hear it pointing forward. It's a very progressive idea of how yeah. to do a bluegrass version of this song. And yet it still has the longing of the old, old original in there. We want peace. We need hope. Yeah, Come. It's, gr- it's great. So Thiele has these connections to the past while he's got all these arrows pointing forward. You can't say enough about Chris Thiele. We've got with the Okamo Come Emmanuel there with the Punch Brothers. People are writing in online with their favorites, and they stretch, you know, from the very... Tr- Jose says, Oh, Holy Night. Kurt, uh, Bing Crosby, do you hear what I hear? And then you get Dale, loves uh, Sufjan Stevens, Come Thou Font of Every Blessing. And Tom Waits, Nick says, Christmas card from a hooker in Minneapolis. Gets right into rock and roll territory there. There's the range. Definitely rock and roll territory. Again, Tom Waits trying to do an original song, more candid, more down to earth, bottom up instead of top down. That's a very rock and roll idea for a song, yeah. Let's go to Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And Jimmy, thanks, Jimmy, you're on the air. Hi, Tom. Hi. Uh, I just wanted to answer your question. Did rock and roll save Christmas music? Um, I think absolutely not. Uh, did it bring uh, new energy and revitalizing to Christmas music? Definitely. Um, if you ask people what their favorite Christmas song is, most yeah. of the time you're going to get a hymn, um, you know, more often than not. And you're not going to get a rock and roll song. Um, I love rock and roll Christmas music, but um, I'm a classical musician. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it's fun to play, but... It's, it's not my favorite. Jimmy, I know exactly what you mean. If you ask my favorite, if you strip it down, I'll go right back to the, to the real old school carols and all the rest. On the other hand, exactly. even for a classical musician, you know what bringing new energy means. means. That is a kind of saving, is it not? Yes. Uh, I, I still think that those, this traditional Christmas music would still be around yeah. if rock and roll hadn't, uh, hadn't come in and revitalized it. Well, I mean, no question. It's lasted a long time. It wasn't going away. But it made it current, and it's funny. Thank you, Jimmy, for your call. It's funny, uh, Tim, how it, how it brought it into the reality of Christmas as it's lived now. I mean, people still are going to bring out all the old songs, but this gave it a really current... Well, right, you want to keep it contemporary. I mean, there was no way rock and roll was going to avoid Christmas, mm-hmm. if you think of it that way, mm-hmm. right? How is rock and roll going to sidestep? Oh, no, right, we're not going to have anything to do with Christmas. The no. biggest holiday. Right, yeah. we're going to embrace it, but we're going to embrace it on our own terms. So we're going to bring a lot of new energy, new ideas to the whole idea of Christmas with our rock and roll energy. And that's going to be secular, and it's going to be wonderment, it's going to be youth-oriented, it's going to be magical and mythic, yeah. right? All of those things. But we're going to be candid, we're going to be sexual, yeah. right? We're going to bring, we're going to try and bring some candor to rock to the idea of Christmas as people live it in their in their everyday lives. In a way, um, it, it brings a kind of a blade in here, and it wants to peel away the pieties. That's a rock and roll thing. But once you peel away some of the pieties, there's something at the heart of this holiday that's also very beautiful and kind of in tune with rock and roll. Well, this is the bottom up, right. bottom up. Right. So you look at the initial reactions to rock and roll, and people are scared of it. People think, oh, it's going to be race mixing. Oh, it's going to pe- kids are going to go off and have too much sex. And like nowadays, now we see the triumph of rock and roll. No, there's nothing scandalous about it. It's not. It's not an outrageous. It's not going to upend culture, right? But, it, but it's working people's music in its in its roots, and here was a working people's story. Yeah, no, um, I, I agree with that, sure. A very 
simple story. We're talking this hour about how rock and roll came to Christmas. Maybe save the Christmas song, rockers, Motown, indie stars, and the holidays. Tim Riley is with us, author of Lennon, the Man, the Myth, the Music, the Definitive Life, and much more. It's great to have him here. You can join us as well. When do you bring on the rock at Christmas? Is it when you're wrapping presents, when you're cooking, when you're driving? What does rock bring out in this season? Joy? Sacrilege? A little truth? 800-423-8255 is our number. 800-423-TALK. Here's Father Christmas by the Kinks. This is On Point. We'll be right back. We'll beat you up, so don't make us This is On Point on Christmas Eve, talking about how rock and roll came to Christmas. A holiday with an enormous and ancient musical tradition, and it all got updated in the 50s, 60s, 70s, right on up to today. Tim Riley is with us, great music critic, joining us this hour to look out across a whole lot of rock and roll in this season. Happy Christmas, war is over. John Lennon, Yoko Ono behind us there, right there, the Plastic Ono Band, the Harlem Community Choir, 1971, and there, I mean, the trust the Beatles to bring a kind of a social justice message and some of that sweetness of the Beatles all in one, even with Yoko on board. Right, so, and this is our first example of a rock and roll song that where John Lennon actually writes a new Christmas standard. Yeah. Right? Every Christmas now, we turn to this song to replenish our hopes and ideas about world it peace. It is beautiful. And, right, and it's beautiful, right? So, rock and roll spends all this time trying to recreate Christmas in its own image. In John Lennon, we find the first seasonal classic that gets written. It's the closest thing that rock and roll has to a silent night or to a white Christmas. It's still got a little bit of that jaundice in there, and so this is Christmas. Uh, you know, he's not going to let you off the hook with right. pure sugar here. Right. And it's also, it's that later in the same year, it's the year that he has the hit Imagine, which is Imagine No Religion. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so, and this is the extension and of yet that. Here's which a is, nod. Which is War Is Over. Mm. I mean, this, and hearing the children's choir sing War Is Over, will we ever get tired of that? Listeners, you can join us this hour. What does rock bring out in this season? Is it uh, joy? Is it sacrilege? Is it a little hard truth? A little... John Lennon right there on a Christmas Eve. Where do you end up? Do you clear the rock away and go to old school, the carols, the sacred? Or does it stay right on through for you? 800-423-8255 is our number this hour. 800-423-TALK. You know, it's it's not all beautiful. I mean, the rock and roll has put some... (laughs) Well, here's Celine Dion. Happy Christmas. War is over. Celine Dion. Tim Riley's sliding his headphones off uh, on this one. I mean, it, it brings out a lot of like over-the-top gaudy here. Too. Well, this is the opposite of rock and roll. This is over. This is overboard. This is show business. I mean, you know, what do you can you say about Celine Dion? She's like the Canadian Barbara Streisand. She's got a fabulous instrument and she has a horrible taste. This is a song that is is woefully unsuited to her over-the-top delivery. She can't sing anything without being Joan of Arc, right? She has to martyrize herself up on the cross every single time she sings a song. And this song, does she doesn't signify beyond her own celebrity at all in this song. This song is all about worshiping at the glorified altar of Celine Dion's pipes. Uh, I have to say, you do hear a lot of that kind of tone, though, at this time of year, out of the rock empire. 
Yeah, well, not only, not only, but it, but it's the wrong <laughs> go, end. Go it's to the, the wrong end of the rock and roll spectrum for let's, me. Let's yeah. See, TF says uh, he wants to add Christmas all over the world from Tom Petty. Here, uh, loves that one. Seth Gordon, he says a brand new one. Uh, this Christmas that you might like. There's no war on Christmas when Christmas is in your heart by the Mockers. I don't know it, but there's a link to it at our website comments there. Uh, Mr. Twilight writes, we can thank Eunice Kennedy Shriver for some of the very best Christmas music of the last 20-plus years. Special Olympics had their very special Christmas series, I guess, albums with some great songs, U2, Eurythmics, Tom Petty, and the absolute favorite of this uh, listener, the Smashing Pumpkins, Christmas Time. Good stuff. Everybody's got their favorites here. Brian in Savannah, Georgia is calling. Hi, Brian. You're on the air. Hi, Tom. Hi. I, I, I don't think there could be any discussion about rock and roll Christmas songs without the Ramones. Merry Christmas. I don't want to fight tonight. I think that says it all with the punk sensibility. Okay, but it, but there's still that sentimental backdrop to it. That, that is a, It is a time for peace and joy, and I think that, that song does it better than any other any other Christmas song does it. Yeah, Merry Christmas. I don't want to fight tonight. <laughs> I agree, Brian. That, that says a lot right there. And it's a great punk song, punk sensibility. It's it's the Ramones. You know, the Ramones are founded from the music of the 50s, so it ties it all together for me. I just can't have Christmas without listening to that song. Let's have one night without the fight. I got it. We love it. Thank you, Brian. Rennie in Chatham, Massachusetts. Rennie, you're on the air. Hey, Tom. It's uh, great to talk to you. Well, I want to bring up the Pogues have a great uh, Christmas song. It's not really not really a, an overt Christmas song, uh, Fairy Tale of New York, that uh, has become like a standard in the U.K. Every year, the Top of the Pops it always comes up in two or three once a year. And this is a hardcore folk rock band that's with very hardcore roots. Uh, Pogues, uh, sort of Celtic punk and Christmas. Right. They almost made our list. We couldn't work them in. We ran out of time, but we wanted to get them in. Yeah, it's a, one of the great rock and roll Christmas standards. Uh, Rennie, I appreciate you reminding us. And Charles in Methuen, Massachusetts. Charles, you're on the air. Hi, Tom. I Hi. just wanted to uh, bring up the connection between the old Bing Crosby-type singer and uh, rock and roll with that version of Little Drummer Boy that they sang. I think it was in a 1972 Christmas special. Was it David Bowie and Bing Crosby sang that together? I, 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 I must have nodded off that I, night, Charles. How was it? <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was tremendous. A lot of people my age, uh, late 40s, uh, really appreciate that song. I think we first became uh, introduced to it on, uh, on, on MTV when they used to play it. David Bowie and Bing Crosby. Hey, it's it's a it's a wonderful world. You got you got to admit we can get everything together here. I mean, some of those big anthems people love to rock out to is Mariah Carey. All I want for Christmas is you. Hey, Tim Riley, it's not the Pogues, but a lot, a lot of people go rocking no, on this Yeah, one. no, this is, and this is sort of a more traditional kind of original Christmas slant that you could take. I don't think of Mariah Carey as a rock and roller. I don't see her. I see her participating more what in a Tin Pan Diva. Alley. Okay. Yeah, Tin Pan Alley tradition, uh, right, rather than the rock and roll tradition, except maybe if you want to talk about her as doing the female equivalent of tomcatting i don't know what that would be but you know she's she really is she's sexualizing christmas in a way i I talk to a lot of people find this offensive really yeah which i and i don't i don't particularly find it offensive but some people think that she's just being a sex kitten and that's that's all there is to it maybe that's i never thought of it that way you just hear there is a joy that she can put in her voice and it is very infectious let's bring in your rock and roll santa claus the boss bruce springsteen 1981, Santa Claus is coming to town. One of his live performances here, 1981. Yeah, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not bow. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. Santa Claus is coming to town. Santa Claus is coming. There you go. There's your rock and roll Santa. Well, yeah, no, it's uh, in the tradition of Bruce Springsteen doing really wonderful covers of great old uh, rock and roll classics. He remakes this secular Santa Claus Christmas classic as his own. And um, in, in doing so, he makes explicit the connection between 
Christmas and rock and roll. And like I said before, a Springsteen concert is like Christmas has come to town. And it doesn't matter what time of year it is, you know that you're going to be overwhelmed with musical gifts whenever Bruce Springsteen comes to town. And the explicit connection between Christmas and rock and roll that he makes here? Well, it's about youth. It's about excitement. It's about wonderment. It's, uh, it's about... Uh, harnessing all of the good aspects and all the playful aspects and humorous aspects of Christmas that we can without being pious, without being overly reverential and overly sentimental and overly artificial. I mean, wonderment is a great thing to, to your eye, to your ear. Is Christmas, uh, is it a, a risk to rock and rollers? You know, when you go in there, there's a lot of uh, easy sentiment that can come out and suck you up. Right. That's the trap. And the great ones know how to avoid it or sidestep it mm-hmm. or just be just sentimental Keep enough. edge in there with right? the love on I the mean, side. I mean, it's the thing right. is, you're not going to say it's like nostalgia. It's like nostalgia itself isn't bad. It's too much nostalgia yeah. that tends to rub us the wrong way, yeah. right? Yeah. So it has to be just that perfect blend of sentiment and nostalgia. Think of Charles Dickens. Incredibly sentimental writer, right? Yeah. But yeah. we give it to him because every other aspect of the form is so beautifully right. And that's the same thing that we hear going on in a song like Santa Claus Coming Down by Bruce Springsteen. It's irresistible. The sentiment is just so ripe and yeah. so perfect, yeah. right? And it's it's overboard in just the right way. Uh, yes, and Dickens does kind of make sense there. He puts it so well. He catches you right where you are. Once in a while, you may not want it, but if you open your heart just a little bit, he's going he's gonna to move right in. Well, and because he's a master of every other aspect of the craft, right? Yeah. The structure's there, the character's there, the plot's there. To, yeah. It's not just sentiment, right? He's playing on sentiment, but he's doing everything else around it so beautifully. John in Dover, Massachusetts. Thanks for calling, John. You're on the air. Hi, Tom. Hi. I'm calling to represent the jam bands out in the world. All right. Um, the Al- yeah, the, the Almond Brothers, uh, I think it was on the Fillmore East album, uh, when they ended one of their songs called Ain't Wasting Time No More, just did a little tease of Jingle Bells at the end of the tune, and it was always a really cool thing. And I actually play in an Almond Brothers tribute band, and we do the same thing when we play out, and we actually noodle on some of the more familiar melodies and some of the more famous Christmas tunes, and people always love it. Why, why do you think they threw was it? A, was it a Christmas concert at Fillmore East, do you think, or they just threw it in for fun? What, what, what do you make of it? I think it was just, I mean, there's a, little, a lot of fluidity in, in, in jam band music, although the Almond Brothers really don't like to be called a jam band. It's more like a a blues rock thing but um there's just a lot of fluidity and and it's just like what venue comes out and i guess if it's this time of year that's what's in you uh i, I love it john keep on jamming i mean there, there's that sense you're, you're looking for abundance you're looking for things that connect with people and even the alma brothers throwing some jingle bells well and it's playful and it's full of humor and uh, you know i I'm, I'm i get i get behind that sure uh, let's go to John in uh, Salem, Massachusetts. John, thank you for calling. Hi, You're on. Hi. Hey, gentlemen. Hi, Tom. I uh, just wanted to mention uh, Christmas with the Devil by Spinal Tap, which relates to the parody of rock and roll Christmas music. Of course, a, a classic. Your fictional uh, mockumentary from Rob Reiner there. Okay. Yeah. Your fictional rock band in Rob Reiner's mockumentary. Exactly. And also uh, one of my favorites, which is a more non-traditional Christmas song, is Joni Mitchell, uh, The River, off of her Blue album, which is uh, one of my favorites. But I think the unsung hero of all Christmas music uh, that is still very underrated is the soundtrack to uh, Albert Finney's Scrooge from 1970 or 71, I believe. It's It's got amazing music, amazing choreography, it, it, the songs could easily be interpreted into punk punk music. Uh, I, you, I I don't remember it, but Albert Finney, uh, you've got me, you've got my attention right there. We'll, we'll have to listen back. Joni Mitchell and the River, of course. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you raised it, John, and thanks right. for that. But so she is a, a very rock and roll move. She takes Jingle Bells and mm-hmm. she turns it into a blues song. Right. Mm-hmm. So she inverts the whole idea, and it's again, it's kind of like Merry Christmas, Baby. It's nobody's more alone at Christmas mm-hmm. than the people who have heartache. Right, and that's a, it's a fabulous example of using a Christmas idea on a on an original song. That's a really great example. I wish I had remembered that. Uh, she can worm your way, her way, right in with just a little touch of that, and suddenly she's got your attention. Steve in Boston, Steve, thanks. You're on the air. Hi, uh, merry day today, tomorrow, and all to come. Talking about some uh, mixed mood and mixed format. I wonder if you guys have anything about about Miles Davis, Blue Christmas. Well, we're, I mean, we're off in Miles' country. He's, he's sort of a wonderment of his own there. I don't know if you see rock energy there, Tim, or just Miles taking it. Well, Miles is, uh, you know, he, he crossed over plenty in the early 70s, and um, 
I, you know, I would rope him into rock and roll and stuff, and I would say, sure, yeah, we, that would count. Uh, so many cuts on Christmas, if, if that's the direction you want to go in. Uh, and they still keep coming out, you know. I mean, you look around. People do so many compilations. People do so many. There's new albums all the time. CeeLo Green this year, everybody's playing. Uh, here's what Christmas means to me. 2012, CeeLo Green's Magic Moment with that big body cover on the album. CeeLo Green. Tim, I don't know. Does it make you move, or is oh, it yeah. still, just still having fun? No, yeah. We wanted to uh, choose some numbers to go out with that were more contemporary to bring us up to date, and I hear this right right in the same tradition of all we were talking about. Irreverence, full of great humor, smiling. CeeLo has this great elfin presence, yes. right, on television, yeah. right? And he's bringing that to the fore and exploiting that. For I think this is wonderful. I love this. Where, where does rock and roll, popular music, go with Christmas down the road? I mean, when it emerged in the 20th century with the new technology... You know, electronics and all the rest. It was playing off of everything that existed so deeply. You know, all the sacred song, all the carols, Tin Pan Alley. And here comes rock and it plays with all that. Now it's kind of into the time where it's feeding on its own right. tradition, right. its own history. Yeah. Right, and referencing its own uh, uh, previous uh, entries yeah. into the, right? We're in a very uncertain period here. I mean, a lot of us critics have been looking for the next big thing over the past 10 years, and it just keeps not happening. Now, part of the problem is that the whole music industry itself has been turned upside down, mm-hmm. right, with new technologies, mm-hmm. and they're busy playing catch-up with all of that. So we're looking at, you know, new streaming services that are going to be supplementing CD sales but in the coming Deeper, right? The, the rock and roll played with a culture of centuries and went somewhere. Now it has to kind of reference itself and <laughs> find, find well, its so, own yeah. resonance and, there. And we find a rich analogy with with movies, right? Movies mm-hmm. now play off of themselves. Movies about movies, much more standard than they ever were because mm-hmm. movies have such a rich history mythology. It's up to the artists to pull us out of that uh, chasing our own tail scenario. And we will see. I have great faith in the creative energy of the artists who are going to be coming up. Uh, I don't know exactly how it's going to play out, but it's going to be very interesting to watch and see how that happens. For all the energy that it's brought, for the candor that it's brought, for sort of cutting to the to the bone, we're grateful to rock and roll in a season that gets a lot of people very open in the heart. We'll go out with the Christmas Waltz by She and Him, a very She and Him Christmas getting right up to date here. Tim Riley, thanks so much for this rock and roll Christmas tour. It's been wonderful to be here. My pleasure, Tom. Thanks. And Merry Christmas to everybody out there. I'm Tom Ashbrook. This is On Point.